It was a great day. The truth is on a counterattack led by this man, President Trump. It looks like he's speaking from the Rose Garden. It's not. It was at his country club in New Jersey, Bedminster. President Trump announced, um, well, a great big counterattack against big tech. Listen. Today, in conjunction with the America First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter, as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, and Jack Dorsey. Three real nice guys. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to social media companies' illegal, shameful censorship of the American people, and that's exactly what they are doing. We're demanding an end to the shadow banning, a stop to the silencing, and a stop to the blacklisting, banishing, and canceling that you know so well. Our case will prove this censorship is unlawful, it's unconstitutional, and it's completely un-American. Absolutely. So refreshing to hear this kind of blunt truth-telling. This is leadership. He may not be president anymore, but this is leadership. Going after these guys who think they're in charge of the country, they really do. By the way, just see the little stunt with the uh, American flag that Zuckerberg pulled off on the lake? Ridiculous. More from the president. Social media has given extraordinary power to a group of big tech giants that are working with government, the mainstream media, and a large segment of a political party to silence and suppress the views of the American people. And they've been very, very successful at that. Not in all cases, but in many cases, totally successful. While the social media companies are officially private entities, in recent years, they have ceased to be private with the enactment and their historical use of Section 230, which profoundly protects them from liability. Section 230, that is a key point here. Professor Alan Dershowitz will be here shortly to break it down for us, but so true. And the impact this had on the last election, there was such amazing reporting out there about Hunter Biden, the laptop, but it was censored. It was kept from us. More from the president. In recent years, we have also seen increasing coordination between big tech giants and government agencies such as the Centers for Disease Control, where so much was wrong, so many things could have been different, but big tech happened to choose the wrong side, and they banned the right side. For example, YouTube's policy explicitly forbids contradicting, quote, health authorities. You know the health authorities. Yeah, the health authorities often get it wrong, right? Whatever happened to a second opinion? Everybody knows that. You can get a second opinion. You don't need to talk to one doctor. You get a second opinion. We all needed a second opinion when it came to Dr. Fauci. He was wrong. He was wrong a lot. You remember when he told us not to wear masks, then masks, and then he was caught not wearing a mask. Very, very inconsistent. We have a right, you know? It's a science, but sometimes scientists disagree. 
and it's not up to big tech. I am so impressed with what the president did today. There's a little bit more. The federal government has essentially deputized social media platforms to become the de facto censorship arm of the U.S. government, which is exactly what's happened. This was especially clear during the pandemic when social media giants began censoring information according to guidance by the CDC, which, as we now know, was very often incorrect or wrong. Wrong indeed. Hydroxychloroquine. Reasonable people can disagree about these matters, and it's okay to disagree in public. We needed this, folks. We needed this, and I think we're going to win. Keep going. And of course, there is no better evidence that big tech is out of control than the fact that they banned the sitting president of the United States earlier this year, a ban that continues to this day, continues. So we get the word out, but it's uh, not a fair situation. Very, very bad for this country, very bad for the world. If they can do it to me, they can do it to anyone. And in fact, that is exactly what they're doing. They are doing it all the time. How about that? He, they tried to at least cancel him, taking him off of Twitter. You think this was done on the merits? No, this, is done, this was done politically. They're afraid of him. He didn't say anything that warranted this. He didn't say anything that broke the law. You know, he's got a great team of attorneys with him. Some of these guys took on big tobacco back in the 90s. This is real. This is going to happen. This could be great. You have to understand that we, we can't let this happen. Because, you know, for all you out there who are Democrats and liberals or whatever you are, you're next. Now it's the conservatives, but as history shows us, it will turn maybe five years from now, maybe three months from now, maybe 10 years, but you're next. So I would urge people from the other side of, of President Trump's political party to join us because you can't have this going on. That was John Cole, one of the attorneys who did take on big tobacco back in the 90s. And he, was, he is married to Greta Van Susteren, an old friend from my Fox days. All right, folks, stay with us. We're going to show you the Ashley Babbitt moment from today. Very powerful. Also, how does Hunter Biden fit in in all of this? Stay with us. conflict real threats real heart now there's a place america gets its news newsmax we're real news for real people millions are turning off the old channels and switching to newsmax the fastest growing cable news channel in america no agenda no spin just the facts millions watches so can you newsmax we are real news for real people Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I, All I can, can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't get it, Greg. They don't. Um, folks, the president gets it about the fake news. He really, really does and he called them out today, 
in incredible fashion. You know, he's been talking about Ashley Babbitt, young Trump supporter who was shot and killed, even though she was not armed. Everybody could see that. Shot and killed, no warning on Capitol Hill on January 6th. This was an unjustified shooting that people are not talking about it. Well, fortunately, this president is not afraid. This former president is not afraid to bring it up. He did it on Sunday, uh, Saturday at the rally in Florida and again today. There were no guns in the Capitol. They burned it except for the gun that shot Ashley Babbitt. And nobody knows who that man were. If that were the opposite way, that man would be all over. He would be the, the most well-known, and I believe I can say man, because I believe I know exactly who it is. But he would be the most well-known person in this country, in the world. But the person that shot Ashley Babbitt, boom, right through the head, just boom. There was no reason for that. And why isn't that person being opened up? And why isn't that being studied? They've already written it off. They said, that case is closed. If that were the opposite, that case would be going on for years and years, and it would not be pretty. So when he says opposite, what he's talking about, I'm confident, is race. Ashley Babbitt, of course, is white, and it is believed that the person who shot her was black. Now, normally, uh, when law enforcement shoots somebody, we find out the name of the shooter in law enforcement. It's standard procedure. Why not in this case? Well, that's one factor, but we don't know what else is going on here, and we should, and we won't let up. All right, also, we had a horrible weekend across the country in terms of violence. More than 500 people were shot across the country. The president noticed that. He also noticed how it was or wasn't reported. They are terrible. They are terrible. And it's not only what they say, it's what they don't say. For instance, uh, I was informed that uh, there are record numbers of murders took place this weekend. Record numbers. They don't even talk about it on NBC and uh, CBS and ABC and NPR. They don't talk about it. And it's a big it's a big story. That's why the credibility of the mainstream media is the lowest it's ever been. Lowest it's ever been. Yeah, it was mostly about big tech today, but he did talk about traditional mainstream media. And he's right. This was a horrible weekend of violence, and it went largely uncovered by the mainstream media. Now, NBC did spend a matter of seconds, seconds on the story, but CBS, ABC, they skipped it. They blew it off because it's a bad story for Democrats. It really, really is. And then there was this about our old friend, Hunter Biden. He doesn't say his name, but you know who he's talking about. If you say it long enough, hard enough, often enough, people will start to believe it. That's what happened with Russia. That's what happened with Ukraine. That's what happened with, well, the worst is when they don't say it, like the laptop from hell. They didn't want to, you look at that thing, that is there is more criminal activity on that laptop than Al Capone had, if he ever had a laptop. Would like to give Al Capone one, but he was a baby compared to what I was able to see. They're talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. Hunter Biden's laptop, which was covered up and ignored by the mainstream media, but it's still out there and it's fascinating. Hunter Biden's laptop. Take a look at Hunter. Here's something pretty wild that, uh, well, you probably don't know, but it's true, it's out there. And uh, the New York Post documented this brilliantly. Louis Free, 
the former director of the FBI in 2016 gave the Biden family $100,000. $100,000. Why would he do that? Why would you? Would you do that? I wouldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But who would do that and why? All right. Well, let's take a look at the email. Uh, This is uh, Holly is uh, Hunter's ex-wife, by the way. And this is from Louis Free. As you know, our family foundation made a $100,000 contribution to Holly's Children's Trust last year. This is an email from Louis Free to Hunter Biden. Next, please. I'll make a new $100,000 gift to Holly's Trust, and Holly's Trust will reimburse the foundation by paying uh, $100,000. They were getting into the details of how this transfer could take place and for it to be kosher with the IRS. Um, Take a look at this. Hunter is the point man. Hunter, the drug addict, is the point man responding to the former FBI director. Thanks so much. And of course, no burden at all. Speak to you soon. Now, this is the swamp, of course. What happens next? Louis Free writes at one point, I would be delighted to do future work with you. Why, Hunter? I also spoke to dad, the vice president, a few weeks ago and would like to explore with him some future work opportunities. Hmm. I would like to talk with you and dad about working together next year. It would certainly be an honor to work with you both. Okay, this is again after the $100,000. If you have his cell and personal email, I'd like to have his contacts. How about that? FSF, FSS is free security services, I believe. This is the swamp. This is how it works. And it's pretty ugly, isn't it? It's pretty ugly and pretty weird. $100,000 for Hunter Biden to share. All right, now this. Black lives matter! Black lives matter! Black lives lives do matter, of course. Not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. Black lives matter. Seven-year-old Kelby Shorty mattered, shot and killed Sunday. Again, seven years old. While celebrating July 4th, this happened in North Memphis, Family and friends and neighbors had just finished setting off fireworks and were wrapping up their party. Someone drove by and sprayed the street with bullets. Everyone scattered, ran for cover, but Kelby could not get away in time. Apparently he cut his foot a few weeks back and still had stitches and that slowed him down while he was trying to run away. In the fireworks, they was popping in the gunshots. It was all going at the same time. They popping fireworks over here and they shooting at her. My grandson was so sweet. He was so sweet, he didn't bother nobody at all. Just the sweetest. He just wanted to be just a regular kid, just play. Just, that's it, he just was a regular kid. It's the grandmother. Two adults were also wounded. There were nearly two dozen young children outside when it happened. Kelby was going into second grade love to play football. Please say they know um, who did this, but no one is in custody. They've got some suspects. Kelby Shorty, just seven years old. All right, folks, when we come back, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, the one and only. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. And of course, there is no better evidence 
that big tech is out of control than the fact that they banned the sitting president of the United States earlier this year, a ban that continues to this day, continues. So we get the word out, but it's uh, not a fair situation. Very, very bad for this country, very bad for the world. If they can do it to me, they can do it to anyone. And in fact, that is exactly what they're doing. That's right. If they can do it to him, which they have done, it remains intact to this day. The suspension, they can do it to anyone. Uh, They've done it to our next guest several times. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia. Welcome back. Uh, You are on Twitter. How many times have you been booted off of Twitter and why? Uh, Well, I've been suspended multiple times, but since I've become a member of Congress, I've been suspended three times. And the last two times I was suspended, my account had to uh, completely serve the full jail time before Twitter gave an excuse saying, oh, it was an error or just an accident. So let me ask you this. For folks at home who uh, perhaps aren't active on social media and, okay, this is just for movie stars and politicians, this doesn't affect me. I think it does, but can you explain how it does, why this is so important, and even for those who may not be using social media? Well, it's important because as Americans, we have a freedom that is incredibly different from the rest of the world. It's called freedom of speech. And we are used to be able to walking around in our regular everyday lives and saying our opinions, our thoughts, and our feelings. And that is also our political beliefs and our religious beliefs and our feelings about our families and the type of schools and curriculums that they are taught and everything about our lives. But in big tech, in the social media sphere, we aren't treated that way. As a matter of fact, we're treated very differently. For the past four to five years, we've heard the media slander us as Nazis, fascists, deplorables, Neanderthals, and all kinds of nasty names. And that's how they treat the president that we have grown to absolutely love and seriously miss him. But here's the deal. Conservatives on Twitter and on Facebook, not only are we banned or suspended or completely kicked off and never allowed back on for speaking our political beliefs and speaking our mind, but we are treated as if we're second-class citizens for holding these opinions. And this is why it's wrong. And I'm so happy President Trump is leading the charge with these lawsuits that he announced today. By the way, you can't even, weird what Twitter has done to you, you can't even block someone uh, because of, well, I don't understand that. I don't block anybody, that's my policy, but um, if somebody, and I haven't been threatened, my life hasn't been threatened, yours has, and you can't even block somebody who's threatening to do horrible things to you and your family, why is that? My life has been threatened in in serious ways, not just once or twice, and it's not just on Twitter or Facebook or in messages or emails. My life has been threatened seriously, and my life is threatened nearly every single day. The FBI is actually investigating a serious threat on my life that came through the mail, the same kind that you saw uh, Rand Paul receive. I received one of those envelopes also, and this this is a story that I definitely need to talk about. But it happens from social media. You see the media lies about me and they tell a character about me every single day that doesn't exist. And it has created people's hate and and built up all kinds of horrible things against me. But I've also been sued. And because of that, I'm not allowed to block people that threaten my life, threaten my children's life, say horrible sexual things against me. I'm not allowed to block them. I have to leave them there and they're allowed to continue to follow me on social media, which endangers my life and my family's life. 
Um, but this is the world that we we find ourselves living in. And this is the world that we've got to completely change because this isn't freedom and this is, isn't how any American should be treated. That is not right at all, Congresswoman. I'm sorry you're going through that. Uh, you're doing some important work, though, on a situation <laughs> going from January 6th to Black Lives Matter protests. Let's uh, let me set it up, though. Uh, I want to take the shaman, for instance. Uh, this guy, the clown, he's a bit of a jerk. Look, he shouldn't have been there. There are a lot of things to not like about him, but he didn't hurt anybody and he didn't break anything. And the thing that's really crazy to me, he's still in custody. He is still in jail, federal custody. A judge decided yesterday that he's not getting out. And of course, he's not been convicted of anything. Now, go back to last summer, the, the looting, the rioting, all of the horrible things that we saw. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in damage. I think it actually went into the billions all over the place. A lot of people were arrested, but take a look at these headlines. In municipality after municipality, uh, it was decided not to charge uh, these individuals. It's like, okay, we're going to forget it. Here in New York, one of the reasons, well, our authorities are kind of on the side of the rioters, which is really, really bad. You have written a letter to the FBI and I believe to the Capitol Police. I'd like to put it up on the screen. You've noticed this discrepancy. Uh, you write, it is abundantly clear that there is a two-track justice system in the United States. Denial of due process rights for Trump supporters who were at the Capitol on January 6th. And catch and release treatment for Black Lives Matter, BLM, and anti-fascist domestic terrorists. Wow. There totally is, and I'm so glad that you have raised this issue. Any response so far? I haven't gotten a response back yet, and I very much look forward to one. And they owe answers. You see, what's happened to these people, like the man you showed on the screen just a few minutes ago, these people have been arrested, they've been charged, and they've been held in jail for up to 22 to 24 hours solitary confinement every single day. They're not allowed to get out on bond. They don't get to go back to their families. They don't get treated like radical domestic terrorists, Antifa and BLM, who just got released after they've been charged, or who had members of Congress or a candidate that was running for vice president and who is now our vice president sharing bail bond links to get them out of jail. No, these people are treated like political prisoners. They have been charged. They deserve their day in court. And we, we definitely want our justice system to do the job. But the way they're being treated is absolutely wrong. And this isn't who we are as Americans. We can't allow this to happen. And even senators, Democrat senators, have spoken out against it. So this is something that I'm definitely keeping track of because the hypocrisy is screaming. Congress and Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats only care about how they were treated on January 6th, but they care nothing about Americans and the riots that occurred for a whole entire year going back. And you and I haven't talked yet, I believe, about Ashley Babbitt. Uh, I have noticed that some Republicans are reticent on this issue. All Democrats don't want to talk about it. I believe that this is an outrage. It happened before our eyes. I'm glad that the president, President Trump, is talking about it. We have so many questions, so few answers. Um, what are your thoughts, please, about Ashley Babbitt? Sometime, somehow, I, she, you two, I think, would have been friends. I'm sure we would have. She seems like she was a very passionate patriot and a very proud Trump supporter, which I really appreciate that. And she was also a veteran. So I'm thankful for her service to the country. I've already been speaking about Ashley Babbitt. I've also um, met with her attorneys as well. And I think it's very important for her family to know who killed her, because if they if this country can demand justice for someone like George Floyd, 
then we can certainly demand justice for Ashley Babbitt. And everyone deserves to know who killed her, not just seeing a gun and a hand on a video clip, but we need to know who it is. And and this is also why I'm, you know, I've been against the January 6th commission and the committee that Nancy Pelosi wants to carry forward. She just wants a witch hunt, but I'm more than willing to serve on that committee to stand up for uh, for President Trump, for all Republicans in Congress and to stop the witch hunt, but also to demand answers like Ashley Babbitt, who killed her and for her family. It is amazing. January 6th, one person was killed, Ashley Babbitt, a Trump supporter. The way they talk about it, they totally misrepresent January 6th. And it's now the ultimate excuse to take any questions about fairness of the November election off the table. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. All right. And we'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Social media has given extraordinary power to a group of big tech giants that are working with government, the mainstream media, and a large segment of a political party to silence and suppress the views of the American people. And they've been very, very successful at that. Not in all cases, but in many cases, totally successful. While the social media companies are officially private entities, in recent years they have ceased to be private with the enactment and their historical use of Section 230, which profoundly protects them from liability. I also want to thank Brooke Rollins, just an outstanding person and friend. She's uh, carrying it out to a level that nobody saw, and she's done it very quickly together with Linda McMahon, a tremendously successful woman who did an incredible job in the administration, one of the best. All right. He's talking about our next guest, Linda McMahon, chair of the board of the America First Policy Institute. Linda, welcome back. We're also joined by Kate Sullivan. She is the executive director of Constitutional Litigation Partnership at America First Policy Institute. Helped put together this great big lawsuit. Linda, first to you. You guys are going after some of the most important, wealthiest, powerful people in the world. Having said that, I really like your chances. Uh, what are your thoughts this evening? Well, thank you. Thanks very much for having us on. And uh, it's nice to see Katie again. We were, we were together, I, it seems like, for a long time over the last two days, getting things ready for to launch this suit. But this suit is incredibly important because it's about the American people. The First Amendment is one of the strongest, it's one of the strongest rights that we have as American citizens. And one of the things that makes the United States unique among uh, most all other countries that we do have the right to say, uh, you know, what we think. Now, we know that there are some exceptions to that. You can't yell fire uh, in a theater. But when you are absolutely taking away the rights of the American people's First Amendment to say, to have discourse, to disagree uh, with political or with scientific data or whatever it is, and you're just suddenly taken off the platform, um, that's really attacking our free speech. And we cannot allow that to happen. So it was a good time today. The president, of course, is the lead plaintiff in this case. But as he said today very clearly, this isn't just about him. This is really about the American people. 
And he did say, and I believe this to be very true, you know, today it's mostly conservatives and Republicans who get taken down. But tomorrow it can be you. It could be Democrats. It could be, uh, you know, other walks of life. So we want to make sure that First Amendment rights are protected always. Yeah. Uh, Democrats, indeed. Things change. Things change. Uh, Let's go through real quick some of the things you can say on social media. And social media is totally fine with it. The big tech titans totally like this stuff, apparently. Uh, Minister Farrakhan thoroughly Mm -hmm. and completely unmasking the satanic Jew and the synagogue of Satan. These are comments that are still on social media and that are tolerated. Uh, We have another one, I think. Uh, Mr. Farrakhan, again, I'm not an anti-Semite. I'm anti-termite. All right, this is horrible, horrible stuff yet. And Ilan Omar, she says all kinds of horrible stuff on a daily basis, and nobody seems to have, well, we have a problem with it, but big tech is just fine with it. Kate Sullivan, the unfairness of all of this is so obvious, isn't it? it yes, very much. And great to see Linda McMahon. She is our fearless leader at America First Policy Institute, along with Brooke Rollins, our CEO who's in the air uh, right now. Uh, We have been talking about this and working on this case for the last few months with a great team of attorneys. I have to say, as you dig in and you really hear the stories of these Americans who have been affected, it is heart-wrenching. There are doctors who have been completely maligned, Greg, because uh, these are very esteemed, very experienced doctors because they had a different opinion from Dr. Fauci. Uh, And social media basically colluded with Dr. Fauci and the federal government to put out only one message. That's one example of the hypocrisy that we see. The terrorism, uh, the getting involved in dictator governments, like uh, uh, the effects that social media has in certain countries and in helping their dictators uh, take over their governments is unbelievable. When you compare that to people who are innocently posting an opinion, innocently posting something about maybe children shouldn't have to wear masks and they're taken down, it's incredible. It is incredible. Uh, But you know what? You guys have assembled a great legal team. Uh, Kate, you, of course. And there's this guy named John Cole who spoke today. I was very impressed with him. Uh, He helped... um, basically scored some major victories against big tobacco in the 90s. Uh, Here he is from today. Who would decide this thing? For 200 years, over 200 years, it's been the Supreme Court. We can't let it be in the hands of unelected people or unappointed justices, but they have done such a good job for 200 years on this issue. We don't need any panels. We don't need any oversight committees. We need the Supreme Court and the judicial judicial system to come into the 21st century. I love what he said. You know what? I was surprised to see him a little bit. I, I met him a long time ago. I always thought he was he leaned left and maybe he does. And that's OK, because this is actually bipartisan, Linda. Oh, it absolutely is. This is not Democratic. It's not it's not Republican. This is really, as I said before, this is about the American people. This is the right of every American man, woman or child to be able to speak their mind, to have debate, to have discourse, to congregate where they want, to read what they want, to say what they want. And that right cannot be taken away um, by those who have no power to do it, except 
that they have, um, you know, they, under the, the 230, Section 230, you know, they're not liable for what it is they do, big tech companies. And we just need to change that. Yes. Oh, by the way, Alan Dershowitz will break down Section 230. I get a little confused <laughs> by it, but uh, it makes sense. He'll he'll be weighing in. Uh, Kate, how long is this going to? What happens now? Oh, actually, more importantly, regular people can get involved. There is a mechanism. This is a class action lawsuit. So it's not just President Trump. It's me. It's you. It's you at home. It's anyone can join. How do we do that? So if you go to uh, uh, takeonbigtech.com, you certainly can upload your personal stories. And uh, we are going to feature in the America First Policy Institute through takeonbigtech.com a sort of a, pers- a censored person of the day. So sending your videos and things like that. And then there's a more formal procedure to see about joining the class at this juncture or whether you opt into the class later on. So this will be a a fairly long process and we aren't done yet, Greg. So I think that the American people and all the people that watch your show should know that, you know, complaints can be amended and other things can be filed. And our team is absolutely jazzed up and ready to go. Okay, well, I I just went takeonbigtech.com and it brings you to where you have to go. And I'm signing up because, uh, number one, I like the cause. And who knows, maybe we'll make a little cash uh, from all this. I hear that happens. In 10 years, we'll all get, you know, 50 cents. (laughs) But uh, that doesn't mean it would be a loss. It would be a big, big win. So I'm really thrilled. Hey, Linda, before we go, I'm a big fan of Vince. How's he doing? And would you give him my very, very best? Of course, you and Vince made, you know, wrestling as we know it amazing in America. And uh, I, for one, am very, very grateful. Thank you very much. All right. You bet. You bet. Thank you, Linda McMahon. And thank you, Kate Sullivan. We'll be right back. In recent years, they have ceased to be private with the enactment and their historical use of Section 230, which profoundly protects them from liability. Once they got Section 230, they're not private companies anymore in a lot of views. No other companies in our country, and even in our country's history, have had protection like this. President Trump announcing that class action lawsuit against big tech Citing this Section 230 advantage they have, quite frankly, I've always been confused by this Section 230, so I thought I'd ask for a little tutorial from the ultimate authority, Professor Alan Dershowitz from Harvard University and host of The Dersh Show, a great podcast. More on that in a moment. Professor, welcome back. How are you? And what do you think overall, first, before 230? Something felt really great about this lawsuit. This is not, uh, this is not a stunt. I feel like there's real teeth here. Oh, no. This is a real lawsuit. If I was still teaching at Harvard, I would be teaching a whole course on this lawsuit. In fact, I wrote a book about it before it happened. I wrote a book called The New Censorship, How to Protect Against Big Tech. So it's all about that. Um, The issue is this. On the one hand, you have freedom of speech. We know that big tech denies freedom of speech. They deny President Trump freedom of speech. They deny you the right to hear President Trump. They deny me freedom of speech. They've taken me down. My debate with Bobby Kennedy about vaccination was taken down. So free speech clearly, clearly 
currently has been violated by the big tech. On the other hand, big tech claims they have a First Amendment right to deny free speech, that because they're a private company, they're entitled, just like Newsmax is entitled, to decide what to put on the air, what not to put on the air. And then President Trump comes in and says, wait a minute, there's a difference. Newsmax doesn't have any exemptions under 230, whereas the big tech do have exemptions under 230. That makes them into a quasi-public company. Very interesting issue. Never before decided by the courts. It will become a leading First Amendment precedent. I like what this John Cole kept saying. He said, it's not up to a couple of guys in California to determine what's valid speech and what isn't, what is hate speech and what's not. That's up to the Supreme Court. And these tech guys, they don't know what they're talking about. These are not health experts. These are right. not linguists, yet they're making these decisions about what is permissible and what is not. And they neither have the legal authority nor the, even the, the moral authority or the expertise to be making these uh, distinctions. Well, well, John is right. Uh, John and Pam are two great lawyers. Um, I'm glad that uh, that side of the case has such excellent lawyers. Uh, the other side will have excellent lawyers, uh, too. Um, and, of course, John is completely right. Who gave the authority to these people uh, to decide what we can see and what we can't see. When the framers of the First Amendment wrote those great words, you know, they had in mind common sense or newspapers or other small things that, that people could either decide to read or not read. They didn't have in mind major, major monopolies that determine what we get to see, what we get not to see. And that changes everything. And this is going to be a fascinating case, a leading precedent. For the uh, next century. Um, you're, you're, uh, you're breaking up a little bit there, uh, Professor. We'll try to work on that. In the meantime, he spoke about uh, Bobby Knight, the legendary basketball coach. And uh, listen to this. And I think he's, uh, he's making an interesting point about the Supreme Court. Go ahead, please. We are going to take that court and we're going to enlarge it. We're going to, we're going to have 16. We're going to have... 20. We're gonna, I saw one the other day. We're going to have 24 justices. And I guess things happen because all of a sudden decisions come out. They play the ref. They play the ref better than Bobby Knight has ever played the ref. Democrats making noise about expanding the Supreme Court. Uh, and his idea is that this is actually affecting the Supreme Court. Is there any merit here? Oh, definitely. And he's not the first president to say that. When Franklin Delano Roosevelt tried to pack the court. The court changed direction and led to the famous expression, the switch in time that saved nine. They switched their opinions and then they withdrew the court packing plan. But people, historians, believe that Roosevelt's court packing plan did have an impact on Supreme Court decisions. It is certainly possible that efforts at court packing today conceivably could have an impact on decision. I haven't seen that impact yet, but it could conceivably happen. Now, Professor, I ran this by you before. I'm gonna, I, I, I honed my argument. Let me know if I would be kicked out of Harvard Law School if I said something like this. But the whole thing with big tech, private company, it reminds me of, well, I wasn't around, but Thomas Edison and his light bulb. Amazing invention. It changed everything. Um, if Thomas Edison said, look, I'm a private person, I can give this light bulb to anybody I want, but I only am going to give it to people I agree with politically. So when they write something, you know, they're using my light to write things that 
I agree with. I feel like the big tech scenario is somewhat analogous. And the light bulb was too important for us to leave to Thomas Edison if he wasn't a nice guy, which he was. So uh, never mind. I think I would just leave Harvard Law School if I said that. Go ahead. Plus in antitrust law, because if Thomas Edison had created a monopoly over the light bulb and wouldn't allow competition, the courts would have prevented him from doing that. The same thing may be true with big tech. If they are, in fact, a monopoly or a duopoly or a triolopoly, uh, the courts may very well interfere. But this First Amendment free speech case is going to change our approach to free speech in the First Amendment. And it's very important. And I hope everybody watches it very carefully. I think it will ultimately end up in the United States Supreme Court. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, real quick. When does the Dersh uh, Show podcast come out? When does it drop? And what's on your next episode? Do you know yet? No, I'm still working on trying to get it uh, done through Newsmax, in fact. And we're working on that. And so I'll let you know when it becomes uh, more of a reality. In the meantime, though, you can read my book on the new censorship. It tells the whole story. I anticipated all of this a couple of months ago. Well, we got to get big tech to fix your microphone. <laughs> That's something we can, uh, it's a little bit spotty. It might be our wire, but Professor Alan Dershowitz, you are the best. And thank you very much once again. Thank you. All right. And we'll be right back. So this is uh, Dr. Kelly Victory. Uh, she, well, big tech accused her of making a big mistake a while back. She's a doctor, and she posted some thoughts that she had about hydroxychloroquine. Oh, boy. She disagreed with Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter. So they suspended her. They gave her such a hard time. Now, today, President Trump had that great event where he announced the class action lawsuit. She was supposed to be there. A number of people... Uh, who had their own issues being banned and that kind of thing, shut down by big tech, were there. She was going to be one of them. She didn't make it. Uh, here's what happened uh, when President Trump found out that she wouldn't be there. Kelly, thank you for your bravery. Please say a few words. Thank you. Oh. Facebook delayed the flight. <laughs> The flight's delayed by four hours. I wonder. I can't believe that. That's terrible. What, what they will do. All right. Thank you anywhere. He's, here he is landing, going into Europe, going into Newark. That was cute. You know, I'm reminded today how funny he was, how entertaining he was, but also how great he was and is. More to come. I'll see you tomorrow night. Have a great night.